Back to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Swizz. And thank you for joining us. This is the Carlton Blues Team Analysis Podcast, Swizz, where dreams go to die. Um, thank you for joining us. Before we move on, the socials, let's hit them up on that SC Insider 100. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and obviously all the audio platforms you can look for us. So it's on Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, you name it, and YouTube as well. Just search for us, Supercoach Insider. Swizz, how are you faring? You must love talking about the Blues. It looks like you're wearing a Blues shirt right here. How are you yeah, thinking they're going to travel this year? Yeah, now I've got the Cricket Cop shirt on, but it looks like the uh, the Carlton shirt. But So I thought I'd get into the spirit. Uh, got a bit of the Blues about me at the moment, but I'm happy to be here talking to you, Benny. Um, should be a good good show. I'm, I'm very hot on the Blues. What about yourself, Benny? How are we travelling, mate? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Back into the full swing of things. I'm starting to actually get really ramped up and excited about the preseason. Chris will join us at some point. Hopefully, we're trying to reel him out with the Collingwood podcast, but it's almost like he's ghosting us. You know, it's three three blind mice trying to find a time that suits, and um, Chris is doing the, the last-minute ghost, kind of like you know, trying to get a little Tinder date, give him a call up, and then next minute he bails because he had a wank. He's that kind of person right now where he's in until he's out and then he's like, oh, he's done. He's out. He's not coming over. He's finished. So, uh, look, he will be with us uh, at some point and we can't wait to have him on. But Swiss, always a pleasure. Before I move on, Shane Milroy, a little shout out to you, sponsored me some lovely beer donation cash. Shane, we love you. You are too kind. Chris isn't here to snake some beer, so I'm going to try and finish those before he gets here. And also, lovely to see, so Chris Morgan as well, mate, uh, shouting out on the YouTube saying, lovely to see Benny back on the beers, because instead of that solo crap, so mate, I just wanted to say, Chris, mate, I hear you, I see you, I love beers, I try not to drink midweek, but when it's potty season, the drinks are on me, or, or Shane. <laughs> Swizz, Carlton, are you, you, oh, you're optimistic. Yeah, no, no, just a little optimistic, mate. You know, not as much as Bonfer about throwing the 50 bucks on and get on the Blues because they're a lock for the Premiership. But I have backed them for the flag all over and, mate, um, it's, the, it's their year. There's always a team that comes up from nowhere and this is the year for the Blues, mate. They're, they've got the list. It's been coming. They've been telling us they've been, they're coming for the last 10 years and I think they're finally going to do it. Yeah, they've been um, on the brink for definitely a long time and... Uh... Look, that's how it is. And it's funny, a shout out to Supercoach Elites, by the way. We are good friends with them. We need to shout out to Corey because I feel like Bonfs gets all the press. It's like, you know, there's, he's the, he's the, um, oh, he is the, <laughs> the outlandish one that we seem to be mentioning all the time with, you know, talking about Brisbane and all these other things. So, um, yes, it's one of those things, but we are extremely happy. I'm talking to Corey about doing a joint podcast with our, um, top tens and that kind of thing, which I think this year will be more open and blown out and controversial than any other year. So we do hang out for that. At and, what point um, do we start calling Chris Bredder? Never rocks up to the pub. Oh, 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 oh. Um, look, not yet. Not yet. He has runs on the board. It's He's the Lockie Neal. He had one 
bad glimpse of, of a moment between pre-seasons, but he is still a top six primo, in my opinion, or at least top three in the Supercoach Insider team. <laughs> so, okay, let's move on. Carlton. Now, having a look at their start to the season, they are actually have a pretty soft draw. When you take things from the start, so Richmond aren't what they used to be. Richmond used to be a nice little beat up, uh, beating up on Carlton, should I say? And Which once will you still get past the first, year, mate. we're still going to beat still, up. On them. Oh, oh, maybe, maybe short. It'll be a short festival. But look, after that, they play the Western Bulldogs, and then it kind of opens up for them anyway. The Bulldogs are their hard opponent, but when you say Richmond, I think will leak points. Hawthorne will leak points. The Suns, Port Adelaide's a good side. Fremantle are a good side, but again, they leak points. North Melbourne, Adelaide. So it's actually not a bad start. You, know, you play both the Sydney teams after that, and then you come in against Collingwood, Essendon, back into Richmond and Fremantle. They actually have a quite a nice draw when it looks to either forwards scoring and kicking goals, midfielders being able to actually try and get on the better side of that pie. Is there a reason why you shouldn't be starting A, premiums, or some of these rookies, Swiss? Well, we'll look at them closer in a moment, but... Um, from the from just looking from a fixture point of view and their list build, yeah, you we talk about that sort of percentage of the pie. They should be winning games this year, a lot more games than that they have been. So yeah, they're definitely there should be some blue players that we should be looking at. But then we'll break it down, and that, that might not exactly be the case. Well, and if they're going to be a top four side, I mean that's even more. I mean it's kind of like American Pie. I want to put my fingers in that pie. I want to get as much of that as I can get. And uh, unfortunately, that means probably starting some current players. But the big issue is it's basically expensive rookie mid-price and one premium. They don't have that much to offer outside of a handful of players. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're not, like I'd love to say they're really super coach relevant. Um, but but yeah, not. as you said, there's only a handful because yeah, a few of those guys are already at overvalue. Yeah, you know, they might have to improve three, four, five points from a super coach point of view. It's more they've added to their list, which will help them win games, not actually improve their individual super coach scores. Mate, Paddy Dow must be so upset. They're bringing in better players, better midfielders. Do you know what I mean? Is how how bad would you be just being a depth player? I say that. I'm I'm oh. a nothing player. I'm not playing, so it's better than what I am. But <laughs> well, hey, is, we can but, stand here on the sidelines oh, and Paddy give him a whip. Down, it's not true to bring him up this year. Who's the Paddy Dow of 2022? You know, I was thinking about that the other day. That it's, it's a, that's a great question. Um, it, yeah, it's one of those guys in that sort of two to $300,000 range that's just going to, like, there's a lot of preseason hype, but it's just going to burn you. So... You know, I don't want it to be one of your men, like a Rainer or stuff like that, because there is a lot of hype about them. And I think they're better players than what Paddy Dow are, or Paddy Dow is. But, oh, that's a good question. I'm going to have to think about that a little bit more. And that, do you got somebody in mind, mate? Not necessarily. I'm thinking maybe more the Gold Coast to Fremantle transition player is oh, probably. Yeah, that's a good one. Probably a, a decent trap. I can't even remember his name. That's how irrelevant it is to me. Will Brody. Um, just, and we'll get into that in the Fremantle podcast, obviously, but he, for me, or even Stevens, and I do love Stevens because I think he has a lot to play, but after talking to quite a few people like Zane and a few others, he's really fringe 22 for me. So those were probably my couple. 
and we'll get into oh, we had a good why. argument about Dylan Stevens last we night. We did, but hey, look, we're going to save that. It's a little snippet, a little glimpse and a preview. We're going to hook you into our um, our Fremantle and our Sydney Swans podcast just to hear those comments. All right, let's move on. Let's go premiums straight out of the bat. We have to go with Sammy Walsh. He's 637,000, midfield only, average 117. Now, he averaged 120.1 after the buy, and he absolutely killed it. So when you look at... Yeah, it was kind of like a skateboard ramp. So he really plateaued in the middle of the year. He started off with a 120 average over seven rounds or 120.6, went 108.8 through the middle eight rounds and then came home, averaged 123 over the last seven. Now, people are saying, oh, well, Sam Walsh is just naturally going to progress because everyone's going up in the preseason. No one ever goes, oh, hey, this player's going to go down, right? So everyone's going up. Everyone's on the improve. It's like being in a stock market, not looking for short stock, looking for everyone's going up. Everyone's has so much potential. And that's what I'm worried about with Sam Walsh because it's more, I think he'll get more attention. I still think he's still, he's still trying to work on his contested game. So he does have another level to go. It's just, is it this year? Swizz, what do you think? Sammy Walsh. Yeah, mate. We, that was one of the great things for us last year. We are on the Walsh train over Cripps and he proved it. The breakout was coming and yeah, now he's fantastic. Uh, the one issue that uh, Walshy had last year Naturally, being a young player, it's still a bit of that yo-yo. We hope that standard deviation will decrease and he, his bottom will come up and he's, you know, it'll just sort of even out a little bit more so he becomes more consistent. The issue that he's going to be dealing with is the tag. Like, uh, what was the games last year against the Pies at 193, Cats 158, Freo 138, Saints 141. Teams aren't going to let him run around and just do what he wants this year. You're not going to bother tagging Dripper. Uh, so yeah, how Walsh deals with that now, he's going to be probably good enough to burn them off and get through that. But I still think there'll be a couple of taggers that'll probably get him at some point. So that is the worry, but you know, the kid's got all the tools. He looks fantastic. Kicks goals. Yeah. So there's a lot of confidence about going with Walsh. Uh, and I, and I see that he's already in quite a few teams already. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's one of those ones where I feel a tag is coming and it's hypothetical. But if he does get tagged, then I'd be definitely looking to get after him um, straight after that and trying to jump on for that process. So I also think they have the first buy, don't they, Carlton? I'm just trying to have a look now. AFL website doesn't seem to like to tell me who's not playing, but I think Carlton have the first buy. Yeah, and I think it's – is it round 12 or – Round 12, I think. So he's, they're not playing round 12. Um, yeah, no, definitely round 12, mate. Yeah, so that kind of makes it, again, another upgrade target, hoping that he gets a tag at some point, has a little bit of a low game, and then I can jump on. Yeah, so that, that's pretty much the only line of thinking for me. I do think he is a great player. I, with, you know, Hewitt and a few of those others coming in, I think Hewitt probably actually, you know, he knows how to try and put some, you know, blocks on and, and actually assist teammates. He's definitely a good team player, unlike some others that just sort of focus on themselves. So I... Walshie is an absolute talent. He's a freak. I like him. If I can get him cheaper, I would. But for me, it's I'm not sure I'm 100% sold on starting him at this point. It's a wait and see and try and get him at an upgrade for me, Swiss. Yeah, just even that whole change of the midfield with, as you said, Hewitt, but Adam Chera coming Chera. in as well. Yep. So, yeah, and they're bigger Cripps bodies. Back to, Cripps back to his fittest and best. And they're going to, they're going to protect, they'll protect him, but it's going to take some time probably for them to figure out, you know, who's going for the ball, who's doing the blocking. Um, so it won't happen overnight. I think the Blues are one of those teams where they could start a little slow, but they're going to come home um, on fire. 
and it'd be great to pick we them up. Start after slow and buy. they could start slow and still win games too. Yeah, like yeah, and they could. And if they're even if they're even at that buy, say six and five or five and six or something around that mark, I think they've got a lot of winnable games after the buy, and definitely somebody who would be probably trying to target as my seventh or eighth midfielder because I think Walsh well, could come home on fire. Come home with a thunder. Um, you know, I'm with you there. So, all right, so that's a perfect one. That's probably the only premium, <laughs> to be fair. Uh, Doherty, uh, obviously, testicular cancer, so he's still in a conditioning phase at the moment, undergoing chemo, uh, second occurrence of testicular cancer, so we wish him well. Uh, reel him out with you know, your draft leaks and stuff at this point in time, uh, maybe a bench option, depending, but we wish him well, um, which kind of then leads us, hey, that's our premium sort of done for that point. Chera, we'll have a look and we'll go into probably – um, let's have a look at more of the mid price range at the moment. So mid price range, have a few of these guys. Yeah. So what do you want to call this as? Do you want to go, basically we've got rookies. We've got sort of the, I'm going to say mid prices sort of 220 and over. So we'll go from say, let's start with Charlie Kerr now, 224,000. He's a forward only. He played four games last year at an average of 51.5. Didn't really set the world alight. So however, Apparently, he's enjoying a full season on the track and he's looked good in the match simulation drills as well. So they're saying, you know, aerially, he's actually getting up and he's leaping and he's looking really good and back to his dynamic best. Do you believe it, Swiss? The worry is always going to be the body of Charlie. The, he can seriously play footy. We know that. We saw that like, a couple of years ago when he just went, finally got his body right for a few weeks. And what was that? He built into it. He went 89, 93, 102, 154. And then the injury five. Um, well, so he can certainly play football, but he can't walk a flight of steps. Yeah, well, that's right. That's, that's, exactly that's the right. issue for me. I mean, how many knee surgeries did he have? What was it? it was the, you know, like the patella and this, that, and the other. And it was just one of those painful things. But he, I think he's great for football. He, you know, the Danaher types so of people. And my concern at the moment is, is that last year was kind of an anomaly. You're looking at players that were 200 to 300,000 that became keepers or excelled far beyond our expectations. Even the year before when they're talking about, so yeah, Walsh was obviously a freak and, and an exception to that the previous year. But when you look at Matty Rowell as well, excelled at an expensive rookie price. So now everyone's going, wonderful. I'm going all these cheap mid prices. I'm going all these expensive rookies because it all worked out last year. It doesn't happen every year. And the issue is, is that I'm waiting for the, the eye test. I'm waiting to see it. So when I saw Matty Rao playing down the Gold Coast, I went down there and I saw him playing. It sold me. The phys- the actual watch test on the role and their- how they perform and how they play, there's nothing that sells you more than that. And at the moment, these expensive rookies, they're kind of in and out of my side because I'm not really attached to them. Everyone talks about how good Dacos is and how good all these other players are. But at this point in time, they're not. I'm not sold. I don't like paying 200000 for someone unless I get sold, Swizz. Yeah, well, we know what he can do. The issue is the Blues are going to be so worried about him injuring himself. It's going to be like the trainer goes out, draws a box for Charlie Kernow and says, you cannot leave this area. Now, I think he's going to kick a few goals, and he could be even one of those, if he plays enough games, could be a real smoky for the Coleman this year because I think he's playing a lot of full forward. And really, if you look at that Calvin Ford line, who else is going to be playing full forward for them? So, yeah, no, f- fantastic player. 
going to kick those goals, but he's just not going to get those other stats. So there'll be weeks where I, I can see him scoring a massive score because he's going to get on the end of you know six, seven, eight snags. The problem is, as we know with key forwards, is you know they unless they're kicking big bags of goals, they're not scoring. Now his price is tempting, and if you think the Blues are going to come out of the block and Charlie can snag you know four, five, six a week early on, he's going to make you a lot of money. The problem is. If uh, the Blues get blanketed and he doesn't get the ball down there, he's not picking the ball further up the ground because why would the Blues risk him running around the field? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I hadn't really thought about it that much. I mean, Danaher did get up the field a bit, but you're right, any kind of niggle, they're going to be resting him and playing precautions. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So I can't fault you there. I guess, it's, again, it's the eye test on the preseason. The next one we'll go into Mitch McGovern. He's a forward. He's 256,000. Everyone's excited because he's been training as a permanent intercept defender under the new coach, Michael Voss. That's what they recorded and reported on the Carlton website. Uh, it's an interesting one for me. So when you have a look, okay, so they lost Jones. Doherty's out. They probably do need someone that can actually sort of mark and kick. And I guess it's definitely some good value. If he can get some good intercept marks and get a little bit of ball, he might actually get you an 80-plus average. And at that price, it's not actually that bad. Swizz, are you are you thinking it's worthy? Are you going to say he's going to pull a little McGovern Jr. and actually live up to the family expectations, or do you think it's an overrated pick? Mate, I would love to get paid seven hundred thousand dollars a year to be a spud. Genuine, yeah. would not go. Just would not go near this guy. Everyone is but looking even, at even going, Jones. He's even Jones to the was back a spud, line. though. Yeah, but Liam Jones, Jones still spud. had a few skills. Of it. Ah, <laughs> everyone's looking. But they, yeah. they put him back there. It's true. That is true. But everyone's looking at Mitch going, okay, Jeremy McGovern plays back. Mitch McGovern can go do this. No problems. And it's just not going to happen. I, I think they're going to not, not fit enough, Not fit enough, not accountable enough, and not talented yeah. enough. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. And and the problem is- Has he been is, in your been... side at all then? No, he hasn't. No, haven't even, no. have not even, well, I looked at him for a second, but my issue with the Blues also, their backline, okay, we, we do know they got Jones. But, you know, they got March back and, and Plowman. So they actually have a couple other tall options, which they might chop and change. Like if McGovern plays a couple of bad games, now with Vossi in, Vossi might go, no. But then at the same time, as you said about Charlie, it's a bit of that eye test too. Like preseason, if Vossi says you're the man, McGov, he could be the guy down there. But I just get worried about Mitch McGovern having to play, you know, accountable football. Yeah, he's so been able he's... to zone off and take some intercept marks, but. If he's mm. playing defense, if he's playing defense, now this is the only way, because there's, in my opinion, there's better forward rookies or mid prices around his price point anyway that are better. You know, Kernel, Raynal, um, even I'd rather bloody um, Gresham, right? And I don't have Gresham in my side. I, McGovern hasn't entered my side at all. But where he does come into play, though, is if you think maybe you're starting the three defenders with a Miller or something or rather, it wouldn't be the worst idea to kind of handcuff. You, know, you might have some of those forward defender swing players. You might be going to Coleman from the Lions or possibly Mitch McGovern. I wouldn't start all too many of them, to be fair. But at least, you know, maybe after six weeks, McGovern will get the defender forward status. And if your defense line is actually starting to struggle by only starting three premiums and you realize those rookies have actually started to you know, shat the bed, then at least you could be able to throw him back there and provide some support while he's making cash. That's probably the only play. If yeah, you are exactly. weak in like, defense and you need possibly guaranteed. some security. Yes, correct. He's guaranteed to get dual position. Uh, yes. There's no doubt about that. And that's the one positive. But if he was 200, if he was March back's price, I would th consider him. 
But at 256, I just think I look at the other options around him and just not doing it for me. Uh, I'm looking at him thinking, well, he's got to then go 80. And I just don't think he's consistently going to put up those scores. No, that's fair enough. Let's go down to the rookies. There's not too many to uh, talk about now. The first one I'll probably go with, don't know if I like his chances. I mean, Eddie Betts leaving probably leaves a little bit of scope, but Jesse Motlop, um, Motlop Jr. I wonder if he likes donuts like his brother going away to, uh, where did he used to go? Bali and smashing down meat pies. But look, for me, Jesse Motlop is one that they might be able to fill that small forward role. I don't know if it's set in stone. I haven't heard much about him apart from the fact that they were excited to draft him. 117,000. Don't know if he's getting any games. If he does, probably small forward, probably doesn't score well anyway. Swizz, is that anything to add to that? It's probably a, a nothing pick, really. He's actually been in and out of my side because I keep looking at the Blues' best 22 and think, who is their small forward? Like, okay, yeah. we've got Harry Harry Mackay is going to be at centre-half forward and leading up. Charlie kurnow has got the um, full forward. but And then they got, you know, your Fishers those sort of blokes who are going to come off the half, like the half forward and rotate, rotate at the wing. Um, Paddy Dow is probably going to do the same. He's going to spend probably some time off the half forward. Jack Martin. But who is their actual forward pocket, Eddie Betts style, who's going to play there? And I think that's well, why they've recruited this kid. The problem well, is... And they delisted some really good talent too that could hmm. play midfield and small forward. So, so maybe yeah. like they did play a few games like Josh Honey last year. So I can see Motlop's going to play definitely some games this year. Depends is that going to be at the start of the season. Yep. And natural small forward. There's going to be Correct. weeks there he's not going to see the ball. Yep, especially when you're at Carlton too. So, um, And I mean that as in, you know, McKay and um, Kernow are going to be bucketing everything with their massive hands. Jealousy, I think not. Um, next one, Brody Kemp. Now this is the one I'm actually a little bit more optimistic about. Brody Kemp, 156,000 defender. Played a couple of games at 36 average, came in late. For me, he's more one to watch because he is highly rated. He was picked up as, a, I think, a late first round with, um, I think it was also, they were excited. He had like an ACL, so it was 12 months, and then last year just didn't get his body right. So he's been in the system a little bit, hasn't really had an opportunity too much. I think they definitely probably need him to play or someone like him to play. So whether it's him or... Um, Sam Philp or something or other, how he's starting to feel stronger, etc. But for me, I think Kemp is one that can definitely play. The spot could be there for him. I think he was tipped as a leadership role. Um, end of first round pick was very, very highly regarded. So for me, it's a wait and see. I haven't seen too much of the Carlton press about him, except for the fact that I know I think he's training. And I'm just, he's on my watch list. I'm hoping that something comes out. And if in the preseason he looks good, I think you could definitely get some good security from 160,000 defender, depending on his role, Swiss. Well, they naturally brought it. They first brought him in as that sort of tall wingman or tall midfielder. And now they've sent him back. Um, he's about 194 centimetres. And this is what I don't really like, again, with the McGovern pick, because you can't play them all down there. So they've sort of tried to turn him into that third defender. Uh, so they might start with McGovern after two or three, four games or you know, and they get an injury there. Kemp could be the one that comes in. Kemp could be the one that starts. So I, I do like him better than going like a McGovern or a Marchbank, but I got to see which way Vossi goes here and whoever he starts with. If you, whoever starts round one is probably the, the one that the coach is more confident in. 
Um, so I think if he would start rounds one, um, yeah, I would probably put him in. But he's just one of those wait and see players. How much pressure do you think Voss is feeling to get success straight away? Oh, he's been brought in to, to get success straight off. Yeah, um, so but that, 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 to me, to me, that that says that Kemp would have to be absolutely sensational to get first dibs. Or they might go, okay, well, McGovern can play a role and maybe have less less mess ups, right? Yeah, and it could maybe. be a match match up dependent too. Some yeah, teams obviously have the uh, the bigger forward lines. So they might bring in all four of them some weeks and in other weeks they might have to go small and it might only be two of them. So we, we could be watching a bit of chopping and changing there just so they get the right lineup each week. Yep. Um, speaking about draft quickly, where would you put Kernow, say, in a draft league? So we say we go for, what, a 10, 10 draft teams playing at 22. Would you pick him and put him on field or would it be as simple as if you can put him on your bench and hope for the best, then you'd be okay? Yeah, well, I think he's going to, go i personally haven't been taking him while he's there i just like guys who have a bit more security but yeah he's he's probably one that you're going to throw on your bench and that because you know with the right game um and especially if he gets a soft kill you know he could be scoring around in 30 140 points on any given week it's just that you've got to ride the 30 40 50s and i personally don't like that in draft unless i'm doing a um you know if I'm like rotating my forwards each week. So streaming. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So if you're a Carlton Tragic, then you may be thrown on your bench. Otherwise, it's a waiver, wait and see. But as all waivers, as soon as he has one good week, someone will pick him up, whoever's losing and gets first pick will end up taking whoever scores the highest. That's how it goes. All right, now let's move on to a little bit more of the expensive sort of, um, not quite premiums, but the expensive mid-price range. Starting off with George Hewitt. Now, Hewitt's someone that you could be a little bit more optimistic about. It's an awkward price, though. It's 400000 or 399000 on the nose. Defender mid, uh, he could definitely be having a fairly decent role helping out in that midfield. I'm not sure what Vossi has planned for him, right? But he did play 20 games at an average of 73.3. He averaged 87.7 in the last eight rounds. I'm pretty, oh, seven rounds, sorry. I'm pretty optimistic about him in general, particularly for draft leagues as a defender. But in standard where you have points matter and you have Sicily for not much more, do you think Hewitt is relevant for standard this year? Mate, he was locked in my team until Supercoach came out and said, yeah, we're going to have position changes from round six and 12 and 18. Uh, once we knew we could get dual position players where some of those midfielders are going to drop back as defenders, George Hewitt, big line for standard for me um, because he did have that role. And so I did like the DPP. I knew he was going to be playing midfield. Thought, yep, this guy can score points. So he just becomes a draft option now. And it just depends. If you're going midfield heavy, um, yeah, there might be a few people who are now thinking, oh, well, I'll grab some of those midfielders who are going to pick up possibly dual position status and they might leave Georgie Hewitt there looking at some of his scores and they might be figuring forgetting that he's a defender. But, you know, he's definitely somebody, you know, D3, D4, if you can pick him up there, fantastic. And it might go a bit earlier, just that once again depends. Um, what scoring range do you think he hits? What scoring range do you think? Like, I can see 85s. I think 80 is more realistic, but I can see. If, he, if he's playing permanent midfield and Carlton is successful, there's no reason why he couldn't get to an 85 average. 
Um, but yeah, I think anywhere top. between 80 and 80 and 100 or 80 to 95, probably the range that depending again, how much midfield time and the role he gets, but he has strung out high nineties averages and strung together quite a few hundreds before. So I think anywhere between the 80 to 95 range again, for me, I think, yeah, defender four or five, depending on your other positions, wouldn't be a bad strategy to go for draft. You know, you're going to get an 80 plus with Hewitt in my opinion. So an 80 plus in draft is all you need to be fair. And he, he was, he's priced at 73 there. So if you're getting around those defenders who you might be getting to that 80 marks, 79 mark and having a look who else is there, he'll probably still be on your board. And, and there's no issue reaching with him because as Ben said, you know, he could go higher and on any given week, you know, he can put out those hundred scores. So yeah, if you could snap him up D3, D4, yeah, I think he's, he's worthy there. Yeah, and I'm with you. I'm just trying, actually trying to have a bit of a look at everyone around his price point, to be honest, on the averages. Uh, it is definitely a, an interesting point. We'll go on to Patrick Cripps uh, is the next one. Now, Paddy Cripps, very interesting. He's a 454,000 midfielder. Very cheap. He's so cheap. He's about 100,000 cheaper than he was last year when everyone was on the hype train. I was on the hype train last year. I lost my bet to Chris, who went for Paddy Walsh. Paddy Walsh, my God. Paddy Walsh. Sam yeah, Walsh. Paddy yeah, Walsh. That, that, He's taking Paddy Walsh. Paddy's what name. a good blend. Yeah. What a good blend. Yeah, what a good blend. Um, I was big on him last year, but obviously injured. They reckon he's going to get back to probably his best. So I think they were talking about it, and he was saying back to you know being strong at the contest and doing those things that he does well which is probably just a re-release of his press conference 12 months ago where he said he's going to try and he lost too much weight, remember, and he wasn't very efficient. So I'm going to get bigger. I'm going to get stronger. And in the process then had back issues because he probably got bigger and stronger with a heavier load running. So I don't know. I'm tempted though, because he is not very highly owned. I think he's about 7%. Now for me, that's tempting. If he comes out and starts playing well in the preseason, in these uh, preseason games or intra-club games, and actually looks like he's a dominating beast, his percentage, his percentage will jump huge, probably more than any of the other players at this point in time. Yep, it's hard to disagree with that, but oh, I mean, it's I'm the not. Burn I, factor. It's, it's te- the burn it's tempting. factor, mate. It's, it is, and they're so heavy in the midfield. It depends on his role. The very valid point. I'm not sure who it was that made it. It could have been Chris, but I'm not going to give him credit for it. But the new rules now, when you get tackled and you can't take like a 360, Cripps was notorious for having five people hanging off him. Do you know what I mean? He won't get that much time this year. He already struggles to try and kick it inside the, you know, in general or inside 50 because he's not a very good decision maker. And I think with these new rules on if you get actually tackled, you can't do a 360, you're not going to get much time. They're going to be calling, holding the ball a little bit quicker. Those Sam Walsh types, the Bontempelli's, Though the McCrae's, the ones that can actually make good decisions, are clean with their hands, they can make a good decision without much time. They don't need to try and bust tackles or do 360s and 180s to try and get rid of the ball, are probably going to do better. And Cripps likes to muscle people and have them hang on to him for an exuberant amount of time. So I am worried he's going to actually do well, but then also leak points if you grab him. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, I want guys who, as you said, are quick with the hands, quick with the mind, or uh, uh, have that speed, explosive speed from the uh, from the pack. Um, and Cripps doesn't feel that. It, you know, great big body, gets the ball. Yeah, as you said, he can ride those tackles. Um, but I don't know if the Supercoach scoring is going to suit him this year. You know, it could be completely wrong. And, 
you know, with the, all the attention with Walsh and the extra protection with Chera and, and Georgie Hewitt in there. But I, I would want to see it and see it for a few weeks. I'm just, he, after the burn factor of the last couple of years, I just don't want anything to do with Crips at the moment. And that's even in draft. Like if I can pick him up, the, the problem with, with some people, they're going to go, well, there's Patrick Cripps. I'm going to grab him early. There's going to be others going, oh, no, I can't, can't do it for myself. So, like, Do you I know why really... my draft leagues were so bad last year? And I was playing in leagues you know, against, uh, like, Dr. Supercoach, and there was a couple others. I think in my main league I did pretty well because I, I didn't – there was someone better in my second pick than him. But I was bullish on him, and I was like, wonderful. I've got a, a captain in um, Lockie Neal. And I'll go a VC as Paddy Cripps. What a great VC option. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then you cooked. If you mess up your first two picks when captains are doubled, you are screwed all year. Um, yeah. Just side oh, notes, I was having mate, a look at Hewitt. I was having a look you, at Hewitt. You, when you look yeah, at draft, I was just looking at Hewitt there. Yeah, so you, so you're asking anyone above question. him. Yeah. Anyone above yeah. him in draft, Liam Duggan is a higher on the ladder. Redmond higher on the ladder. We're talking about defenders. Uh, Justin McInerney's higher, Jeray, and then you, you get into like your broad. IQ, 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 Jonas, Robottom. Uh, so Robottom's a mid. Um, Rotham, Hunter Clark, right? So and then you start to get into, then you get into like a Hewitt. So I think there's definitely some good scope. Hunter Clark, I wouldn't mind. IQ, I think, is going on the up. But when you look at some of these others, like your Redmonds and your your McInerney's, etc., uh, I think he's definitely a nice option that you could do. And that's how yeah, things work. Yeah. Draft and, and, usually people work from top to bottom in draft on averages. They don't rearrange their own picking order. Yeah, and it's it's the complete opposite for Crips. Like as you said, I'm looking at that loose going, yeah, Georgie Hewitt. Yeah, I hope the other guys pick up some of those other players, and I'm happy to grab him. Where Crips, he's around that same price as Sarong. So I'm I'm, I'm really bullish on Sarong this year because of um, Chera moving out. You've got um, Noah Anderson just above him. Um, Jack Graham's pretty well got that Richmond full to himself. Dion Presti is having his best uh, preseason in a while. Elliot Yo's not that far above him. So there's just other players that I'm like, I'm more confident on um, than I am. And players that will slide. Players that will slide. The problem with big name players that have done it before, that's why Hanabry kept getting picked up early for <laughs> five years. But it's true because it's always it true. You know, the highlight reel and you're like, Paddy Cripps is a beast. It's like, well, no, Sam Walsh is a beast and he's younger. Like, that's the value you're going with. Whereas people go, oh, Patrick Cripps, oh, he's going to be the best player. Or Nate Fife, what's shoulder surgery and infection? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just one of those things. And with draft leagues, unfortunately, the choices you make, and I love draft day, the best day of the year, but the choices you make are going to literally, it's ride or die for the whole year. Oh, for sure. Tough. Exactly. And I, I'm not willing to... Well, we had this discussion before just regarding like reversing a couple of players. And when it comes to draft, any player can get injured, but I prefer taking the safer option who usually it's not none of those soft tissue injuries. Guys that play regularly 20, 21, 22 games just puts my mind to ease. You're going to get freak injuries, but instead of those other players who are in and out or they have the, you know, the highs and the low, the high highs and the low lows, just give me consistent players and um, and then the players that I'm streaming, those F4s, F5s, they're the ones that hopefully I can snag them on the right week and give me that boost that week. Yeah, and drafts really depend on if you are playing captains or non-captains. It makes a huge difference. More than people know, 
if you don't have a captain, you could go straight away and get the best forward or the best defender because it's not really going to hurt you on a double, right? Whereas, so Swizz here picked up Zach Merritt instead of Lockie Neal earlier, and I gave him <laughs> so much shit. I was like, Lockie Neal's available. Why are you picking Zach Merritt? As far as double points go, Lockie Neal wins hands down, right? But then when Swizz is like, oh, well, there's no captain. So when you look at consistency and one, he'll get a 115 week in, week out, I'm like, oh, it's actually a pretty good pick. Yeah, right. Exactly. People mocked me for going. I think a couple years ago, I think I went Lockie Whitfield early on in the forward line because there was no double. I didn't have mm. to go a midfielder as a captain. But if it's double points, you have to go a midfielder in those first one to two rounds. Basically, have to. Yeah. Your VC and yeah, your yeah. V's are, uh, and your C's are worth way too much unless you uh, get a good captain and then go a, a Lloyd or you go a Lloyd who's not a bad sort of VC anyway, and then try and get a, a, a captain or a, a you know vice versa. Basically, you're handcuffed to trying to go a couple of mids early and then everything spreads from there. Yep. All right. Moving on with the blue baggers. So they've got probably That's two. it. That's all of them. For draft, there's two other players we've got to mention from the back line there. <laughs> Zachy Williams and Adam Sarr. Uh, uh, and just because yeah. they've both come across, they've had their 12 months in their, that system. Um, we know what Sard can do off the half-back line. Zach Williams, when he's playing half-back and not in midfield, is a good player. Sam Doherty, obviously, with his issues in that, they might keep Zach back down there. So definitely are relevant, and possibly because people got burnt last year, could slide down your draft orders. Um, any, what, what are your thoughts on those two boys? Well, how, how upset would you be if you are Zach Williams and getting probably pump, promised some midfield time or whatever have you? Now it's like, well, that coach is gone. And like, mate, you're actually not a very good midfielder. Like you're an attacking midfielder, but it's like, okay, we've got Chera now who's also fit and attacking. We've got Hewitt who's probably a more accountable midfielder so he can defend as well and play roles. So uh, for me, I think it has to be in that defensive line. And for me, Saad is probably the better value out of the two because he's averaged 100. His body's generally a little bit better, right? He had a poor year last year. But when you look at Doherty's out of that team, who's that ball extracting through? Who's who's going to be, you know, so for me, I see Carlton, you know, like a McGovern taking an intercept. It's like, cool. Well, McGovern, even though he's a nice kick you know, forward, I could see them trying to take this mark and then offloading it to a Saad, to a um, Williams. And for me, Saad would take precedence. Anytime Saad's there, I'd be like, here you go, run, break lines, take them on and kick. So I think Saad's very underpriced. I'd be happily taking him. He's, what was he, an 82 average? Man, you get to ninety average once yeah. the the once they start thinning. I'll take Sard at a ninety, or even and slightly his, under if his I can. First for half value. of the year, uh, do you have any splits there, Benny? Because his first half of yeah, the yeah. year was friggin' ridiculous. Where his second half of the year he was just poo. Yeah. Oh, the last part was it was eighty nine point three over the first seven. So I might have he might have actually gone a bit better those first handful anyway. Eighty six point eight for the next eight, and then seventy one for the last seven. So he really did tailor off. Um. Yeah, I just think he's way better than 82 average, and they need him more. Doherty definitely got a lot of extraction, and now I think it has to be Saad while he's out. Yeah, and people are going to look at your draft leagues. A, Sicily's cheaper, so you're going to look at taking Sicily uh, there. A lot of hype around Giav. So, you know, there's a couple of players there that definitely um, others will be looking at um, before Saad. And, and just that whole, again, that burn factor, um, people might be going, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not taking that. I saw what he did the second half of the year, those last seven games. So, yeah, you know, if Sardin fits into my D3, fantastic. 
uh, hopefully Carlton have even, a lot of potential yeah, in yeah. draft and, leagues. So, so and much that, value. And that's what I, we were talking about consistent players, but then somebody like that bounces back. Yeah, he, he's got another five points on him. I'm confident enough to have him in there. The biggest slider for me is probably Kernow still. And people, 86 average, he has averaged 100 or highs before, but definitely has to be a role player this year. It would not surprise me because Voss is very old school, right? So when we look at old school, I could see Voss going in there, right? Looking up Paddy Cripps up and down saying, you're me, right? Watch highlights of me from 2000 to 2004. You are me. Walsh is Simon Black. And you need to watch and emulate us 24-7 because Patrick Cripps is a big man. Voss was a big, strong man that played big with his big hits and his influence and attack on the footy. And then Walsh is the Simon Black with the, the finesse and the, and the silk and the fitness base and the IQ. So when you look at that, right, for me, it's just one of those things where they have so much potential. They just need to put it all together. So Vossi coming in there, you look at – um, things could definitely change. So you look at the value there. So Will Setterfield had a horrible year. He could definitely be a role player. I think Ed Kernow probably might even get back to a tagging role. Vossi, you know, I know Port went huge on, on the tagging and sort of accountability, but, you know, maybe even a pressure forward role and locking up some kind of defender and putting pressure on like DeBoer did, going and playing a different role wouldn't surprise me. Jack Martin is draft value. Coming at a 68 average, if they're winning games, Jack Martin could be absolutely tearing up because he won't get much attention. It'll go to Charlie Kerr now, and it'll go to Mackay or McKay, and you know, I mean, he'll sort of you know float through a little bit. I think. Ed, so Ed much now is my first half of the year burn man. I think he could be perfect pickup, especially in draft off your waivers if you can, or even if you pick if you can get him a bit later on. Because I think he could pick up dual position status and see him spending a lot of time more up in the forward line early on. And then you, he's one of those guys you hope, not that we want to hope for injuries, but you hope when those blue baggers go down because he's probably the next one that goes back in there if need be. All right. And then I want to finish off here with Chera. Now, average mm-hmm. 90.1. Do you see him climbing, maintaining, or falling in average? And why? I think it's a main. I think it's actually increasing but only slightly i don't see the big increase that some people are saying well because what what's changed between freo and carlton like there's there's no different he you know they, he had five monday brayshaw and then it was chera here it's walsh cripps and then it's him georgie hewitt so uh, he's still that third fourth in line um maybe plays a little bit more wing but i think he you know wants that inside time I think Carlton yeah. have a lot more similar types to him and bigger bodies already. Yeah. He's already so, he's, he's tipped to be on he's tipped to be on the wing, right? So, you know, which which I think he'll be able to sort of break lines and, and move up and down the ground. Average ninety five point eight for his last six, but I think you're right. I don't think it's midfield time. He's already I think Carlton website was already talking about you know, spending time on the wing, um, and I think he probably maintain around the ninety. I don't know if I'd be extremely bullish in draft. I've actually got to think of made at school, had him in his in their draft team, uh, in their uh, standard team. Um, I wouldn't be expecting that first time, you know, changing clubs back to Victoria. I think he'll be extremely happy and he'll do what is needed to be done out on the wing. Yeah, he had that injury 15 game against Adelaide last year. So he's, he's probably true values about a 92, 93. Um, so yeah, as I said, I can see him putting two, three, maybe five points on that average. But 
do I want a 95 guy in standard? Absolutely not. And in draft, I think because people are going to say, oh, it's Chero, he's gone to Carlton, back to Victoria, they're going to either target him at his price or they're going to jump at him that little bit early. And I just don't yep. see enough value there to go after him at that, you know. I see people jumping at him at around the 100 in a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'd be happy just, you know, I, I'd put, the earliest I'd jump at him would be like a, a low 90, if that. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no point. I, I, I there's no pay. point picking people at overs though, unless you are, unless you're playing for enjoyment, right? And you are extremely set on having him in your team because you love Carlton. Then sure, pick him around a hundred. But if he matches your high expectation, then all you've done is literally match where you picked him. Yeah, exactly. If you if you exactly. if you, if you yeah. manage to get him cheaper and he and he goes to where you expect, then you actually have profit. You know, there's no point in buying a house for one point three nine million like my next door neighbor did. Right, <laughs> like literally, it's crazy. Whereas we got ours for like half of that, and you know, mm-hmm. not like our house is as good as next door. But you know, what I mean, there's no point in paying overs for something because then it's like, well, wonderful. And then in five years' time, oh, the market's increased, but now you're getting back what you paid or less. Like it makes no okay. sense. Yeah, like, and and that's the thing. Are you taking Chero or Elliot? Go, yo, yeah, the yo exactly. man, Chero or Kelly? Oh, Josh Kelly, Tim Kelly. Oh, Tim Kelly. Oh. That that that's where we're that's where we're at at in yeah, that sort of discussion. Tim, Tim Kelly probably if he's yeah, it's it's fit and ball. healthy and, and happy. But again, it depends on COVID and, and Western Australian lockdown because Tim Kelly, we already know, doesn't perform well away from his family. Which fair enough, it's a, it's a hard you know restraint and 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 uh, issue. So then I guess you probably say Chera. Well, it's like well, he's back in Victoria. Yeah, and people are like that's the thing. Like Tim Kelly, you could even pick up. Well, he's the seventy-first highest midfielder, and that's taken him with the dual position players. So you could probably pick him up at M six, where people are going to be picking up Jarrett at M three, maybe M four. But yeah, it's more likely there. So yeah, I'm not paying overs when I can get a guy who's going to average similar and put him at my M six. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, I'm with you. All right, well, I think that pretty much wraps us up. Uh, Swiss, I think we were going to do a little bit of a team reveal or you were going to shit on some friends, I think. Yeah, so shit we'll... on some fucking friends. Yeah, let's do that. I'm, I'm always keen for the banter. So we'll get on to that next. We'll record that now and release this at around the same time. So that's it from us. Uh, let us know what you think about Carlton. Let us know if you agree with us or if you agree with someone else. I think that wraps us up. <laughs> Swiss, thanks good. for joining us, mate. I'll no, catch you again I love soon. it, Benny. Oh, it's good. Thanks, good mate. to be back, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, boys. See you yeah. next time. Bye. The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes. So the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent. The P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it. I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry. I am